If you'd open in your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. Again, what we're looking at is how to have a quake-proof life. And the answer to that is getting to know God is the perfect Father. Just trusting Him. He's the perfect Father. And if you've never lived through an earthquake, you probably don't even know what I'm talking about. In fact, how many of you have ever been in a real earthquake? There we go. Oh, we've got some Californians over there. Oh, on the back row. Good. Okay. You know what I'm talking about. I've been through more than I can count, but only one I really can't forget. And uh, that was one that was really going through the San Fernando Valley. And there was damage. And I remember uh, uh, Bonnie and I were just amazed at the awesome power of an earthquake. But everything that is that is stable is no longer stable and earthquakes are the most awesome release of energy on our planet one quake can rival all the atomic weaponry combined yet 20,000 times today there have been earthquakes on this planet now most of them are on the ocean floor and most of them are only known to the earthquake center but somewhere on the planet 20,000 times every day the crust slightly shifts and there's a, a little release of energy Earthquake preparedness was a common topic when we were in California in the schools, employers, news articles. Buildings were being built in a special way to prepare them for quakes. And amazingly, little by little, as the quakes came and went, the quake-proof buildings began to stand and to ride out the shaking and the rolling of the Earth's crust. But the total instability of things that were counted upon is stable. Is what an earthquake is all about. And life is filled in a spiritual sense, an emotional sense, in a non-material sense with earthquakes. In a very non-geological way, we could say that our lives have tremors, quakes, shocks, and aftershocks. Couldn't we? All the time. Maybe not 20,000, but they come through our lives. How do we prepare for the quakes of life? First of all, what are they? Well, let me give you my list. A job loss, a cancer diagnosis, an affair discovered, and a mate to whom you've always been faithful, a divorce notice that was unexpected or even expected, an unwed but pregnant daughter, a crippling accident, a lost savings, a failure of a pension counted on, a canceled health insurance, and need we add the loss of parents or children or marriage partners and death? There are these and countless other quakes that face us in life. They come every day to someone. Does God have earthquake preparedness for us? Yes. 1 Thessalonians 3. And we're going to conclude this chapter tonight. And what we found is, chapter 1 is the elements of what true saving faith are about, whether you're born right, whether you're part of God's family. Chapter 2, whether you've been nurtured right, whether you are on the pathway to nurturing and growing, and all of us are in the process of growing. As Paul said, I don't count myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting the things which are behind, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. We're all nurturing and growing more in love with Christ. Chapter 3 is all about being anchored right. It's all about being anchored and not being swept away in the storms of life. Paul said, if you're grounded and firmly anchored, you can live in constant expectancy of Christ and have an earthquake proof life. Let me read to you the verses we're going to cover, and that's starting in verse 11. Now may our God and Father himself, and Jesus our Lord, direct our way to you. And may the Lord cause you to increase and abound in love for one another, and for all men, just as we do also for you, so that he may establish your hearts unblameable in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
with all his saints. It's going to be exciting to cover these three verses. We can only get the first one tonight. And I want to center with you, if you look back at verse 11, Now may our God and Father. Do you know, Jesus introduced this concept of the fatherhood of God, of the, of the closeness of it. The Jews thought of God as a very distant father. They thought of him as the father of the universe, father of creation, father of all that. They never knew about him in the close sense. And Jesus introduced that concept as he said, Now may our God and Father himself. He said, God's involved. God the Father. What he's saying is you need to learn to trust him. He's the perfect father. When I think about fathers, I'm with you. Uh, It's a very, very touching thing for me to think about my dad. I call him every Sunday night, and it's such a joy. And he has become... Uh, my great encourager. I mean, uh, Bonnie could tell you, he, he collects all my tapes. He's got just cases of them under his bed. You know, if the house burned, that's what he'd take. You know, I don't understand it. But uh, he's my, my fan. But when I think of my dad, I always think about four things about him. I think about his arms. I used to be one of those who always played uh, sleep. You know, when we'd get home from trips, just as we were turning into 6253 Reynolds Road, sound asleep in the back. I'd make noises and I'd flop over. Everybody knew I was awake, but my dad always carried me in. And of course, as he laid me down, I'd grab him, hug him, and give him a kiss and let him put me in bed. But I just loved to to feel him carrying me in from the car. And then I remember his hands. And and if you want to do a study on someone you love, just think of all the images of their hands. Uh, For 46 years, my dad worked at Oldsmobile. And I remember that, that he used to amuse me by, by letting me try and get his ring off his finger. And so when I was little and, you know, 17 years old and bored in church, you know, um, I'd always try and pull that ring off his finger. And I never knew until I grew up that he would just crook it a little bit. And I could never get that thing off. I'd work the whole service, listening the whole time. Never missed a thing the pastor said. But uh, I'd try and get that off. And there's hope for some of you that are playing with... But play with your own ring, you know, uh, in church. I don't want to see any of you playing with someone else's ring up there in the balcony. But uh, I would do that. But while I was playing with that ring, I'd look at his hands, and he was a tool and die maker. And he had metal slivers in those hands, and he would have cuts. And I, I remember he had scars from when he'd gotten injured on the job. And one time, part of his finger got cut off. And I would just look at those hands. And in my mind, I see those strong, tough scarred hands. And you know, you, you just think about strength. And, and I used to watch him on our camping expeditions, and I still remember those hands as he would hold that uh, paddle, and he'd paddle in, in the northern parts of Canada, and just the strength. And I'd look at him, and I think very much, I don't know how old I was, but when we'd walk through those woods at night, his shoulders, he just looked like a mountain in a dark woods. And I'd walk through those woods, and I'd hear all the sounds, you know, I'd think of the bears and the monsters. We were way up in Canada, sleeping in a tent you know, hundreds of miles from anywhere. And I just used to, he was a mountain, you know, he, and I must have been really little to look at that. And then I think of his eyes, and, and I guess the most vivid time I think of my father's eyes are when he was in an oxygen tent and had a heart attack and was in ICU, and I thought he, you know, wasn't going to get out of ICU. And I remember with all those things and everything that, that they had him just all bandaged up, and all I could see was his eyes, and he couldn't talk. But, you know, someone that you love communicates even with their eyes. But you know, earthly fathers come and go. And maybe you don't have an idealistic father that took you on camping trips. But you have a perfect father anyway. And, and I think what, what Paul's trying to say here in the 11th verse is, 
he says, people, I'm leaving you. He only got to be with Thessalon the Thessalonican people for a very few number of weeks. And then he left them to the pagans and the Romans and the persecution. He said, no, I'm not going to be here. But I'm entrusting you to your perfect father. Maybe your earthly father blew it. Maybe he, he didn't do what you expect. Or maybe he did. And he's gone. A lot of people really lean on their parents or their father or mother. And they're gone, and they just get washed out. And he says, I want you to know your perfect father. Now, before I show you what Paul says, let me show you what other parts of the Bible say. If you want to turn back with me to Matthew chapter 6, and you might want to write these down, because uh, sooner or later you're going to come up empty uh, with your earthly father. Uh, I, I know that my children have with me at times, where we disappoint them, where uh, we show our humanness, our... our uh, fleshliness at times and, and, and sooner or later you're going to get failed by your earthly father and so then you need to be ready just like that to flip over like one day when I was using this overhead projector and it popped and I looked up woefully at Richard I said what do I do and he walked up and he just moved the button and it came back on it has two bulbs it has a spare well you know when your bulb pops of your father for whatever reason death disappointment you have a perfect spare that was there the whole time. And that's what I want you to see. The first one is, we need to notice our seeing Father. Matthew 6 and verse 4. Now our Lord said this, that your alms may be in secret and your Father who sees in secret will repay you. The beginning of the fear of the Lord is when we acknowledge that God sees us all the time, everywhere, in every circumstance, he sees us. And we need to acknowledge our perfect Father and notice him that he's seeing. And I remember very distinctly in my life when I got to the point where I realized that I could fool my parents. And I realized I could get away with stuff that they would never see. And very, very much I remember that exact moment when it dawned on me that what they had always told me was now taking place. And I remember my mother saying, You can go. And you have a car now, and you, you, are, you can do whatever you want. But she says, Mom and Dad may not see it. God always will. And you know that little song? Uh, I don't, it's a pop song, you know. God is watching you. God is watching you. I don't think they know what they're talking about, but it's true. And we need to notice. And notice means that we need to, as I shared this morning, I mean, we need to have one-year-old eyes that when we see our Father, our eyes get big. And we freeze. My one son said to me that my other son always looks at me. Our littlest boy always looks at me to see my reaction. Whenever he's going to do something, he always looks at me to see whether he should do it or not. That's noticing your father. Did you know that's the... Boy, that was, that was profound. That's the bottom line of the Christian life. Are you noticing God? Are you noticing him at work? Are you noticing him at school? Are you noticing him in your neighborhood? Are you noticing him in your marriage? In your family? He says... I'm the God who sees you in secret. That means he doesn't see the outward response. He sees the heart response. And that's what matters to him. And, and this is a, another beautiful one. Keep turning to 2 Corinthians. Go Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians. There we go. 2 Corinthians. Number one, we should notice our seeing Father. Notice him. Just acknowledge him. Just look up. Just see him. Just act like you would act if you, you could see him corporeally, if you could see him in person, in his body. He doesn't, God doesn't have a body. Jesus is the representation of God. But if you could see your Heavenly Father, would you act differently? If so, he's watching, he knows everything, he still loves us, he's on our side. 
He is our Father that sees us in secret. And you know what? He said, there's nothing you can do to make me love you any more or any less. So don't, don't try and impress me with your good stuff. And don't try and get discouraged with your bad stuff. Just acknowledge that I'm walking and seek as your life to please me. He won't love us any more or less, but he can be displeased and grieved and quenched. We shouldn't do that. But number two, look at 2 Corinthians 1.3. Because we need to secondly draw. Not just notice him. But we need to draw upon our supplying Father. He's not only the seeing Father we're supposed to look at, He is the supplying Father that we are supposed to draw upon. And, and what a joy, as the Apostle says this in 2 Corinthians 1.3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of all mercy, the God of all comfort. And how does He comfort us? It says that He is the one that supplies. He comforts us, verse 4, in all of our afflictions. So will we be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort we ourselves are comforted by God? Have you been drawing upon his supply? You know, dads love to give. They love to entrust. They love to pass on. They love to give responsibility. They love to, to, to invest in. Because the older you get, you realize life is going by and the meaning is not how much you keep, but it's how much you give. And so you want to give, and especially those closest to you. And dads love to give. And God is the perfect Father. And He says, I want you to draw upon me. I am your supplying Father. Are you drawing on me? Are you letting me supply your need? Are you letting me specifically here? Are you letting me supply the comfort you need? Or are you just sitting there having a pity party? Uh, that's how Howard Hendricks describes Jeremiah. You know, sitting on his pity potty, having a pity party. You know, and just having a hard time. And he just... He says, that's how most of us are all the time. And praise the Lord, Jeremiah is only like that this much. We need to let God comfort us. We need to draw upon our supplying Father. Number one, Matthew 6 and verse 4. Notice that your Father is seeing you. Secondly, draw upon your Father who's supplying you. Now, Hebrews chapter 12. Keep going, Hebrews. 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, 1st, 2nd Thessalonians, 1st, 2nd Timothy, Titus, Philemon, Hebrews. There it is, chapter 12 and verse 9. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 9. Furthermore, we had earthly fathers to discipline us. And if you are a biblical earthly father, you need to be disciplining your children. And we respected them. And if you're a biblically earthly child that has a biblical earthly father, you need to respect your father when he disciplines you and not fight him. Uh, shall we not much rather be subject to the father of spirits and live? There's another name for God. He's not only the, the seeing Father, I'm the God who sees you. He's not only the supplying Father, I'm the one that, that gives you comfort. He's also the strong Father. He's the Father of the spirits. You know, people get all enamored with, and we shouldn't, and we should be naive in this, but, but people really get caught up with the power of the spirits and the occult and all that, and there's kind of something, and that's a little bit of the thing that science fiction has, and that's why I avoid it, because it's so tied to the occult. It's that power to, you know, raise something out of the mud, or to, to fight, or to, to do things with, with supernatural power. That is not God's power. And there's only two power sources in the universe. One is derived, and one is allowed by permission. The, the derived power is derived from God. The allowed by permission is is offloaded by God and allowed to be in Satan. And I tell you what, the science fiction stuff is not God's. So guess where else it comes from? The science fiction world is pointing toward the God of this world, who is Satan. And we should not be interested in him, but Hebrews 12:9, the father of spirits. He is strong, he's big enough for anything, and he says, subject yourself to him. Subject yourself to your strong father. 
And that's something we need to cultivate in our lives. That's why God says over and over again, fear not. Fear not. Trust in your strong father. He's big enough for anything. Trust him. Well, finally, this is where we're going to conclude in James 1.17. James 1.17, where we actually began tonight. Our perfect father, he sees us and we want to notice him. He supplies us, we want to draw upon him. He's strong, so we should trust in him. But look at 117, where we began. Every good thing bestowed and every perfect gift is from above. It comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation, there is no shifting shadow. One of the things that disillusions more people than anything else is inconsistency. People let them down. You know, I don't know about you, but if, if you get let down... Enough times, it's almost hard to trust some people because they just, they, they say, oh yeah, and then never do it. Oh yeah, never do it. Oh yeah, never do it. And that's just how life is. And God says the mark of a godly person is, Psalm 15 and Psalm 24, when they say yes, they do it at all costs. And that's a mark of godliness, and, and that's something we should look for. It's a mark of godliness because it's like God, because God says, I don't vary. You don't find me grumpy one day and smiley the next. You don't find me down and discouraged one day and all effervescent. He says, I don't vary. That's why I'm perfect. And he says, I also am not eclipsed, as I mentioned at the beginning. There's no shifting shadow. And we need to hope in our secure Father. He is changeless. He is unfailing. He will never let us down. Now, what do we do with truth like that? Well... I can promise you, as sure as we had 20,000 earthquakes on the planet today, you're going to have an earthquake soon. Might be a little earth, might be a tremor, might be an aftershock, might be whatever, a correction, might be a big one, a jolt, whatever your scale is. How do you get ready for that? Because they're always unexpected. How do you get ready? Trust your father. How do you trust him? Notice he's watching. Acknowledge him. I mean, when you're spending time in his word today, or, or when you, if you already have today, tomorrow, just say, reading the Bible now, would you help me understand it? That's noticing him. I mean, if my children get caught on the computer, I still know a little bit more than them about the computer. Not for long, but I still do. I help them. They notice I'm in the room and say, could you help me? I love to help them. How much more does your Heavenly Father want to help you? Just notice him. Notice that he's watching. Did you know he already knows what's in the day ahead for you? You have temptations. I have temptations. He knows about them. Start the day saying, I don't know what's ahead, but, but help me to see the exit door every time I face temptation. Help me to know when I'm going beyond what I can endure. Help me to know when, when I'm going to be overwhelmed or when Satan's two-edged sword of doubt and discouragement is going to start cutting on me. Prepare me for that. As I come into your word, lead me. As I read, open my eyes so I can see. That's... I mean, it's not saying, okay, where do I have to read today? Let me check it off, you know, get it over with, so I can be good. So God will be happy. No, he's not happy. Don't check it off. Don't read it, if that's what you're doing. Read it, noticing your Heavenly Father, saying, God, you already know what tomorrow holds. You know what today holds. You know what next moment's going to hold. In fact, the Bible says, you know my words before they're even on my tongue. You know my thoughts before I think them. And I want them to be yours. I acknowledge you. I notice you. Would you open this book to me? Secondly, draw upon his supply of comfort and mercy. When you get an earthquake and when it hits, just reach up. 
I've told you my story many times. It's, we're back in season again. We have another infant in our house. I wonder if the Lord just keeps giving us sweet little infants so I can do my little game where I bump their cradle and they put their arms up. I love that response. I don't even remember the medical name for it. But what it is is they need something outside of themselves. And that, that startledness makes them reach out for help beyond them. God says, I'm kicking your cradle. I want you to reach out to me. I'm going to have to kick it harder and harder until you do. Watch out. Watch out. He'll do that. God will do whatever it takes to get us to need him. Draw upon your supplying father. Thirdly, trust your strong father. I mean, is something lying ahead, a big decision or a confrontation or something you've got to resolve or settle? Trust. Trust in your strong father. Your strong father, he's big enough for anything. And he wants you not to say, oh, I can cover this stuff and you do that. He wants to cover all of it. That's what pleases him. And finally, hope in your secure father. And if you are uh, a person who has gone through uh, any type of difficulty in the past that has made you feel insecure and fearful, don't, don't you dare let someone tell you that that's how you're going to be in your life. That's a choice. That is not how you really are. God says you do not fear. God says that I am perfect, that I will never vary, that I will never fail you, and all you're supposed to do is trust in me. And don't you dare say, I can't make it in my marriage because, you know, I never had a good example, or I can't make it in this, I just can't do it because I'm just, I have no... God says I'm not going to take that. I'm changeless. I don't vary. Nothing can eclipse me. I want you to trust and hope in the security that I can bring to your life. I will trust and never be afraid. Though I tread through darkness or in shade, Jesus walks along the road with me, and he guides each step so patiently. Such a friend through the years has been my guide. Through the valley still will journey by my side. That's what he wants to be, for us to trust in him. And what a joy that we can. Let's bow and we'll have a word of prayer. Oh, Father, get us ready for the earthquakes of today by trusting in you, our perfect Father. Thanks for a wonderful night. And, Father, we pray that you will let us all check in for duty with you as missionaries. Help us to realize that we are your sent ones. We are sent in going out into every corner of this state and town. And we are going to other parts of the world as business travelers go everywhere. Let us take your sending words with us. Let us take your word, read it, share it, speak it. Pray that we'll be immersed and obedient and joyfully serving you. And like the Apostle Paul reminded us tonight, you're our perfect Father. We're securely trusting in your supplies. We pray that you use us to bring great glory to your name. Thank you for the privilege. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.